all week. The news has, you know, been almost dominated by the threatening situation um, in North Korea and all the, um, the intensity that continues to build with the possibility, and I know at some points we think it's bellicose, we think it's a bluster, but that there could be a war. And we're sensitive to that because we know the consequences of war. Many of you fought in a war. Uh, you have seen that. We've all uh, been touched in some way. I want you to know there is a war that's going on continually. And it's powerful and it's very personal. There is a war that's going on and it is waged against you. It's against you. It's an unseen war. We call it, at least in, in the circles I'm in, a spiritual warfare. And we've designed a series to talk about that. I've been thinking about this since, since, since last fall. It happens in your life from the moment that you're born until the moment that you die. This war is in, intensely personal and intimate for all of us. The Bible tells us that we have three enemies uh, in this conflict that war against you, against your family, against your friends, everybody you know. Uh, this battle has eternal implications. And you need to know how to fight it. And what I've realized that is in much of my life and in many of the Christians I know, they're, they're one of, they don't even know, they're not even aware that there is a war going on. And if they do begin to figure that out pretty quickly, especially as a follower of Christ, because then you're, you're engaged in this conflict almost immediately, uh, how do I battle? How do I, how do I win this war? We're, we're pretty um, discouraged sometimes because we don't know how to do that. And I want you to know, that because we're going to spend some time on this, because if you don't fight this, and if you don't figure out the ways to victory, this is going to mess up your whole life. And I know sometimes pastors and preachers say things that are dramatic and you think, well, that's kind of for to get my attention. I'm being as literal as I can. Uh, the Bible tells us there are these three enemies uh, that will destroy us and God wants to help you to defeat them. The Bible calls them the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are your enemies. The world is this value system uh, around us. Uh, you've probably figured that out that as a believer and as you walk in accordance with, you know, with Scripture, uh, that it doesn't take long to find out I'm out of step with a lot of other people. The world, the flesh is this old system that was wired into you from birth. And even as new believers, there's this pattern, there's this habit of sin, this tendency uh, that, that wants to pull us back into some of those old ways. And then there is... Satan and his demons who are constantly coming against you. So we're going to begin this series in a place I think maybe would be the most helpful and maybe the, probably the most logical, and that's this battle that's in me. The battle in me. Most of us, when we think of spiritual warfare, our imaginations immediately go to these external things. We'll get there. We'll talk about that. But I believe that this is the best beginning place because, admit this with me, most of the time, my worst enemy is me. I am, I am my own worst enemy. Uh, maybe you're your biggest enemy too. And you see that in relationships. You see that in all kinds of ways. And you think, well, I don't know why that fell apart or what this happened. And it just seems like this keeps happening. 
Uh, wow, how about that? You know, we think, well, what's the common denominator there? How many times in my life have I come to this conclusion that I'm my biggest problem? And most of the time, Satan really doesn't have to take a lot of effort with us, right? I mean, he says, you know, I don't have to think about them so much. They're going to mess it up all by themselves. You know, I don't even need to get involved. They're probably going to, you know, knock the wheels off in their own life. So what we're going to do this weekend today is we're going to look at the consequences and the conditions. I'm kind of going at it a little bit backward, but I think it's going to make sense when it all falls into place that happens in our life when this battle's going on, particularly when you're losing this battle, you feel like you're losing this battle. And I think for most of us, and we're going to see in, in just a moment in the Apostle Paul's life, the place where it's most apparent or we feel that we see it is in our emotions, it's, it's in our mind. It's this anguish. It's this place that uh, we, we, we feel this emotional cost of having this battle in our lives. There's these things that happen, and we don't know how to fight this battle that's going on inside of us. And Paul explains the causes of this battle and the consequences of this battle. And then he talks about the cure for this battle. And I just, I thought that was too easy, okay, for those of you traditionalists who like that. Uh, so let's do this. Let's begin by reading this passage together. Uh, this is Romans chapter 7, and we're going to begin in the 15th uh, verse. He actually begins in the 14th verse. Uh, he says something really, really interesting. Um, he says, so the trouble is not with the law. Um, it is spiritual and good. The trouble is in me. From all too human, a slave to sin. He says, I don't really understand myself. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the law that it's good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my flesh. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It's sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my flesh, I'm a slave to sin. I'm a slave to sin. In other words, Paul says, I don't want to gossip, uh, but I end up doing it. I don't want to be impatient all the time and irritable, but I find out that I'm being impatient. I don't want to say bad things to my kids and get rough, but I find that I, why did I just do that? I just, I just did it again. I said it again. I know I ought to take better care of my health, but I don't. He just goes on and on about all these things in life. And he says, it's this sin in me. It just seems to be oh, just stronger than me. And you can just feel, I can feel the frustration in Paul's voice. It's just this, what's wrong with me? 
He just he's so transparent. And I love this about Paul in all of his letters. He's just himself. You know, and you feel like if you met this guy and you just talked to him, he would just tell you, yeah, this is kind of what's going on with me. He, he's just bearing his soul here. And what's going on is he's explaining that this battle that occurs in us causes a couple of things to happen. And, and here are these circumstances that he finds himself in, and he's, he's got this liberty when he comes out on the other side. And I, my hope and prayer is that I and you will see that same kind of a, a liberty. One thing is that when you try to please God in your own strength, this has been huge for me to figure out. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to fail. You're going to fall. When you try to do it yourself, and connected to that is the second idea, is that when you try to change things in your life from bad to good, just by being determined, just, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grind this out. I'm going to get up every day. I'm going to be self-disciplined. I can do this. I, I can do this. I got it. I got it. And you do it for a little while, but eventually, you're going to give up. You're going to wear out. And the encouragement for me where I am in this season of my life, is that Paul's not a new believer. He's not the new kid on the block, you know. He didn't just show up. It's his first rodeo and like, wow, boy, I love being a new Christian. I don't know how to do this. This works for new Christians, old Christians, and everybody. And I love it that, that Paul takes it from this perspective because he's probably, I think, is the strongest Christian who there, who there ever was, you know. I mean, he, he's the guy, other than Jesus, he is the guy. But he says, you know what? I know I wear that and I've written half the New Testament. There's sometimes I just can't figure this out. I, I sin and I fall and, and I feel like I'm being defeated. There are things in me that I, I want to get right, but I, I don't seem to. And there, there are things that I don't want to do, these wrong things. Why did I do that? I did it again. And this is Paul. So when a guy like that says it, I'm leaning in. You know, I'm listening. He's got my attention because I think, okay, you got a problem with that? I got a problem with that. I want to hear what happened and how you, how you, what you did next. So we're going to look at this battle that's inside of me, this battle inside of you, and, and how it just, you, you want to change the things that you just can't seem to change. And some of you, and I love that testimony, brother, I'm 12 years old. I'm 14 years old. I'm still battling this. Some of you are fighting fights that started when you were a child. Some of you got habits, dysfunctions, you've got memory, you've got problems and, that you've had since you were a teenager. There are issues and conflicts that you haven't been able to get past in relationships that happened a long time ago. And they could be connected to all other kind of people and circumstances and you think that was then, this is now, then why do I still seem like, I feel like I'm carrying this around with me. I, I pray God's going to set you free. So we're going to start looking, like I said, I think the most apparent place where this happens is in our emotions. I think it's in our mind. That's what causes us anguish. I mean, for some of you, there may be physical consequences, and um, we can talk about that. But I think this cost of the emotional battle that's going on inside of you, uh, it's just so draining. At least this has been my experience. When I try to overcome something by myself, it's just exhausting. 
And eventually, you get so worn out. So Paul talks about some of these emotional consequences uh, that we face. Now, I'm going to just list some of these as we go through this text. And I want you to just check off mentally or in your, if you're really courageous, highlight it or circle it or just write in the margin, hey, that's me. Now, you know that someday somebody's going to pick up your Bible and go, oh, I didn't realize you were having that problem. You know, so you may want to just be a little more private about that and just put it in your phone. Okay, the first thing I see, and you see if you identify with any of these. And see, is this in you? Do you recognize yourself? First thing he talks about is confusion. He says, you know, I try to fight this internal spiritual battle, and my thinking just gets all muddled up. And sometimes when I'm counseling with someone, or even in my own life, you just think, wow, how did you, and well, this, and then so this, and so I thought that. And you think, really? How did you get, you know, it's like, I'm just so confused. I just can't even think straight. You ever said that? I can't think straight. And that's really what confusion is. It's thinking in a crooked path. And this will be enhanced, by the way, with chemicals. All right? I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who've struggled with addictions of all different kind of things. Uh, and it doesn't just have to be a substance. It can be a behavior. It changes. You know what? I'm not going to get off on this, but even pornography, it actually changes your frontal lobe. It actually changes the way your mind processes information. So you're not thinking straight. And that's one of the first consequences. In verse 15, Paul says, I don't understand myself. I don't get it. I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what's right, but I can't. And I don't want to do, I hate, but I do it. I want you to look at, <laughs> this is what got my attention, all the eyes in this verse. I don't understand myself. I really want to do what is right. I can't. I do what I don't want, what I hate. He says, he's saying, something's wrong with me. And I know what my therapist said, and I know what my mama said, but there's something wrong with me, okay? There's, it's, it's about me. And in this one verse, he uses the first person pronoun, I, six times. I think there's a key there to understanding what he, where he's headed with this. All through this chapter, Paul uses the word I over and over and over. In fact, in just 12 verses, he uses the word I 27 times. You kind of get an idea where he's focused? Uh, and he uses the word my six times, the word me six times, the word myself two times. All in all, he uses the first person pronoun 41 times in 20 verses. Hey, Paul, what are you thinking about? Well, I'm thinking about me. <laughs> I'm kind of looking at myself. You know, and I think that's what happens. It's when it's all about you, you get so inward, we get so focused, people do this. Hey, you know what else? Churches do this, right? Churches start thinking about, and, and you see where conflicts and blah, you know, and there's not a lot of fruitfulness. Check it out. It'll be when a church or a person is just thinking about themselves, and they're in, the, they're in the middle. They're right there in the middle of their universe. When it's all about you, you get consumed and you get distracted. The enemy loves that. Your enemy loves that. Recognize his strategies. One of the second things I, I, that happens when I don't know how to fight this battle, I, I get confused. And then out of that comes this guilt, this shame. Some of you live in there right now and you're carrying around a shame you've carried around a long time. Well, I hope this is, you know, you remember your kid and somebody would say, shame on you. Well, my prayer is shame off you. <laughs> shame off you. Okay. It sounded better in my office. In verse 16, <laughs> I know perfectly well what I'm doing is wrong. 
He says, my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws that I'm breaking. He says, I try to kid myself, and I listen to my friends. I go, oh, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. But every time I do it, something pierces me. He's saying, I know what I'm doing is wrong. The word conscience is actually a Latin word, con, which uh, means with, you know, and you see that in some other languages too, the word con or con, uh, and the word science in Latin, con science, with knowledge. In, fact, in other words, I'm doing this with knowledge that I'm doing it. And I'm doing this with knowledge. You know, and, you're, and you, you can't kid yourself up to a certain point. Well, I know I shouldn't eat that, but, you know, just, you know. And, and then there's something, oh, I know I shouldn't go there. I know I shouldn't do this anymore. But, you know, this is one time, you know. And, we, and, and something, I feel, there's like an alarm that goes off in my mind. It's, it's danger. Stop, you shouldn't be going, you step back, step back, don't, don't, turn around, turn around. You know, there's something that goes off in our head that says, this is wrong. Uh, I'm uncomfortable, you should stop. And you know what, when you ignore that voice, after a while it, gets, it can get more faint, but it's, it's still there. And when that happens, and you continue to move in that direction, do you know what it produces? Guilt and shame. That's what happens. And people spend thousands of dollars going through all sorts of things and eating all kinds of pills and doing all kinds of stuff when behind that. And I'm not saying that all of that's wrong, okay? I'm not going to discount it completely like that. But I will say that at the root of some of this, it's just guilt and shame. I'd counseled a young lady once about her promiscuous lifestyle. And uh, she was having some, some serious issues, consequences as a res- result of that. And I said, you know, wh- where are you at? So she came back to see me and... And we talked about that, and she said, well, you know, I've been going to a therapist, and, and he said, there's nothing wrong with my behavior. It's just how I respond to that behavior and how I feel about it. And so he's helping me deal with my feelings of guilt and shame over this because of my upbringing. She said, what do you, what do you think? I said, I think you're in sin, and I think you feel bad because you are bad. And I think you're, you know, I'm a really good counselor. You want to, you'll come see me once, and then you'll think, nah. You know, I'm going to go to that other guy. Uh, I said, I think you're feeling guilty because you are guilty. She just started, she's sitting on the couch right across from my dad, and she just starts crying. She goes, that's what I thought. (laughs) I said, but you don't have to be. She goes, I don't want to be. And I said, then stop it. (laughs) She goes, oh, okay. Go sin no more. (laughs) Next. You know. I can, I, can, I can get a lot done in just like 20 minutes. We can just wait on the elevator and I can tell you, yeah, well, it's because you're wrong. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm so good. Um, <clears throat> but that's what it is. That's why your conscience bothers you. Third thing that you don't know how to fight this, this battle that's going on in you is because when you start to do something and you, when you do it enough, you did it again, you didn't feel anything and didn't, you know, the skies didn't fall and you didn't get caught and you think, well, I'll... I think I'll do that again. And you do it again, and you do it again. And then you begin to want to do it even more. It creates this compulsion to do it. It creates this addiction to this behavior or this thought or whatever it is uh, that's in your life. And when that happens, you do it so many times, it becomes habitual. And now you're in this, you're locked in. Because it's a habit for you now. And you think, well, I don't know if I can stop smoking because it's such a compulsion. I just, boy, it's become a physical addiction. It's become a mental and emotional addiction. Paul says in this next verse, if I do these bad things enough, I get addicted to them. But I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it. 
It's sin inside of me that's stronger than I am that makes me want to do these evil things. Kathy and I have just, just in the last week or two tried to start eating healthier. And I know we should have done this in January. We kind of like to put things off a little in, in time. It's been so hard. And I, and I thought this would be easy because, you know, you got your lean cuisines and you got, the, you know, this. but around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, around 9 o'clock at night, I'm going in the kitchen. And yesterday I'm standing there and I'm just looking in the pantry and I'm just looking at it. And Kathy said, what do you think you're going to see? <laughs> she said, do you think something's just going to jump out like, eat me, I'm healthy and I have no calories and I taste wonderful. And I go, yeah, it's like, you know, not going to happen. But there's a habit in me. There's a habit uh, in you, this natural inclination that begins to grow up to do not the right thing. Why is it I never want to do the right thing? Why do I, I never come in the back door going, hey, you got any green beans? No, I don't even cook them. I love them just like that. Oh, these are awesome. I love green beans. No, I want french fries. You know, I want, I want something totally different. Uh, we had a meeting uh, the other night at, at Chick-fil-A, and I got the, like, grilled chicken salad. And you know how it is when you eat that, and then you're just scraping it when it's over? Oh, there's a little, that's a little piece of lettuce that's left in there, and you just, you want anything. And I'm looking over all my friends, the deacons and the pastors, they're all eating those waffle fries, and they're eating the spicy chicken. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it's just, you guys lead me to sin. Um, <laughs> your leadership is a bad influence on um, me, because what I want to do, I want to do the easy thing. I want to do the popular, I want to do the comfortable thing. That's so much comfortable to eat fries than it is to eat lettuce. And, and you're like that. I want to do whatever's going to make me the most happy. And how many times have you started off your day saying, today's the day. I'm going to get it right. I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to do this today. I'm going to... and, and by lunch, by breakfast maybe, by the end of the day you think, well, I, okay, there's always tomorrow. I'm going to try again tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to try. That's what happens. That's what happens. Because we like to sin. <laughs> Right? I mean, you do. No, I, I hate sin. <laughs> I mean, we, we like to sin because it's so easy. And there is, I've always tried to be honest with my kids about this, there's pleasure in sin. Hebrews said there is pleasure in sin for a season. It's fun for a little while. And you don't see the consequences. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. What are you going to do? I'm going to sin. Oh, I hate sin. Oh, yeah, it's, it's awful. It's horrible. I hate doing it. It's so, but I'm going to do it anyway. No, we wouldn't do it. There's a reason we do it. Um, there's a fourth thing that happens when I don't know how to fight this battle. And I, I have experienced this. You have experienced this. It has to do with your self-esteem. Because we begin, you know, we talk about other people and we put other people down, but the number one person you probably put down mentally and emotionally more than anybody else in your life is you. Self-condemnation. Some of you are so good at this. You're pro you could lead seminars on how to condemn yourself. Because you keep tripping over this area, after a while, you start thinking, well, I always lose my temper, or I just say mean things, and I don't know why I said that, or I have these thoughts, and I just, I kind of, and then you start, we start drawing these conclusions, it must be me, I'm no good, God doesn't like me, because I'm just, I'm just, I'm not valuable, and we begin to be believe those things. In verse 18, Paul says, I know I'm rotten inside as far as my old flesh, 
I know I'm rotten. Who told him that? Paul told him that. He told himself that. And that leads just real naturally to this next thing. That's we become so frustrated. We just get so anxious. And I think this is a sign that you are moving and operating and trying to do things in your own power. Even as a believer. In fact, especially as a believer. Because if you're here today and you're, you know, you're not, you're probably thinking, I don't feel this warfare. <laughs> it doesn't seem, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't even know what he's talking about. You're not engaged. You know, and I'm not poking at you, but you're, it's, for, it's those of you who are Christians, you're going to feel this. You're going to feel this. So the others, you're, you're off the hook. Paul says, but I feel that, and I, I feel this anxiety. In fact, in verse 18, he says, no matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. He says, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's plain where the trouble is. This sin, this behavior, it's got, it's got a hold of me. It's, it's, it's got me. It's got me. That's called, that's, that is the, the law of sin. Uh, and it's, it's the spiritual equivalent to the physical law of gravity. And you know how that works, right? I'm going to get somebody, I'm going to get my friend Aaron Matthews to come up and help me out with this. Um, just to illustrate, and I think you understand it already, but I want you to really get this and to kind of have um, an image in your mind. Because we're, we're sort of familiar with the law of gravity, the way it works, but we don't pay attention to it because we, we live in it every day, right? We operate in it. Now you, fine specimen of a man and what I want you to do, is I want you to, to pick that up. It just, it, I, I jerked it right up easy because it's pretty light. Um, but I want you to pick it up as high as you can and just hold it there for me, okay? Just hold it as high as you can. Yeah, and we'll all wait breathlessly to see how you do that. Okay, you know, you see, what happens is that for a while you pick something up, you know, and it's heavy and you think, I have defeated the law of gravity. What's the big deal about gravity? I don't get it. It's not so bad. I can do it, right? I get gravity. <laughs> gravity. You know, not a, you can do that all day, right? Yeah. But after a while, that's going to start getting heavy. And he's going to start getting tired. And his muscles are going to start, you know, right now. He's like right now. Like right, <laughs> right. Is this good? Yeah, is this good? Because I can just keep talking. Yeah, we know that. In fact, let's just... <laughs> Put the big man on the stage. I know what happened. I, I chose the wrong volunteer. I, I should have picked somebody who would just go, quietly go along, you know, with this. But you get the idea. Now, here's, let's do this in reverse. Let's do a different experiment. R- gently, not like at the gym, yeah, put it, yeah, all the way down as far as you can go. Yeah, and just let, let it go. Now, let me ask you, your personal experience, you just went through this. Which was easier, to go up or to bring it back down? Putting it down was a whole lot easier. There you go. All right. Thank you. Good illustration. Because when he's going down, he's working with gravity. When he's pushing it up, he's working against it. You did that so well. And I'd like to autograph something for you. 
<laughs> Are you? Do you want it here? Do you want? Some? <laughs> okay. He'll be. Yeah. Yeah. I got it in yesterday. Yeah. During worship. Yeah. I picked up. This is 35 pounds. Just so you know. Just. So you can tell your friends. Tweet about it. Yeah. Been working out. That weight is down there. You know, when you pull it up, you feel the resistance. Physically, you feel that resistance. And when you go down, you think, oh, I'm working with it now. And, and maybe after worship, we could all climb up on our brand new roof and just jump off and think, look at this. You know, and you just see how fast you can. Maybe we'll just do it once. Um, in fact, I'm going to ask someone to, Eric, could you, would you mind... We're just going to watch from here as you and say, look at that. There's my illustration. Um, it just works. And you know what? It works every time. There's never a day I get up and go, what if that gravity's still working today? I jumped off the house yesterday. didn't work so good. I'm going to try it again today because I think this time I can. No, you know what? I'm going to be defeated. And that's just like our self-control. You know, we pull against it, and you think, I got, I've beat it for a little while. But then, something in me, something in you, just gets weary. And that force, that pull of sin, is going to pull us back down. That's what Paul's talking about. That the same thing you understand and you've known your entire life in the physical is happening spiritually. That's part of the war. That's something you need to understand. I may get off the ground for a week or two weeks or a month, you know, but then I'm going to go back to my whatever your behavior is, whatever your problem is. I'm going, to, I'm going to fall right back into that. You're not going to overcome the law of gravity physically for very long, and you're not going to beat the law of sin spiritually for very long. You're just not. Paul said, I'm, I'm realizing that, and I'm so fr- it frustrates me. I feel like I'm not being who I am. And when that begins to happen, when I'm frustrated and when I'm anxious and I'm feeling powerless and my self-esteem has been battered, that leads to discouragement and to depression. You know, and you just think, I, I can act happy when I'm with my friends and when I'm in these circumstances, but inside my heart, I'm not feeling it. There's no joy. I don't feel it. Paul said this, He said, it seems to be a fact of life. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. In my mind, notice again, it's a mental thing that's happening. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant. I want to be, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. It's just pulling me back down. He said, I'm in a battle, and I'm losing. I'm starting to find... I, I, I just feel hopeless. So Paul talks about these, these costs and these consequences, and he begins to look at what is it that's causing that? Why am I like I am? And what's the cause of this battle? In verse 22, Paul says, I love to do God's will as far as my new nature is concerned, but there's something else deep within me in my flesh. And different versions translate that differently and say different things, but it's flesh. That's war with my mind, and it wins the fight and makes me a slave all over again. I go back to being, I've been set free. What in the world am I doing with these chains on me again? When you become a follower of Jesus, 
Christ gave you a brand new nature. A new ability to do the right thing. This freedom and power, you don't have to sin anymore. I know that sounds almost too good to be true. And I know there's a teaching, and some of you, I may get emails about this, that, you know, well, when Jesus comes in, there's this old sinful person in there, and that's you, and it just kind of scoots over and lets Jesus move in side by side, and they just fight it out. Paul says, no, that's not the way this works. Jesus comes in to be the king. He comes in to give you the ability to know victory for the first time and to be set free. What we do is instead of living in that new life and saying, wow, I'm in Christ now. This is, this is so awesome. I'm, I'm in Jesus. And just living in that, what we do is we go, that, that's good, but I'm going to step back into what I already know. I'm comfortable with my willpower. I understand my determination. So thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for taking me to heaven. But when it comes to overcoming this, I'm just going to go right back to that old pattern. That old habit of, I'll do this. I got it, Lord. I got it. Don't worry. No, stay where you are. I, I can do this. And we find ourselves defeated again and again and again. Because willpower, self-determination, it's not enough to defeat your old self. It's not going to happen. And we think we can do that. And Paul says, I'm in this terrible predicament in the next verse. In the original language, this means exhaustion from hard work. You know, when you just work and you're just worn out, you're wiped out, and you think, I just, I'm a failure and I can't get up, I can't lift myself. It's not a pretty picture. That is a defeated, exhausted Christian. God has a plan, and we're going to talk about this over the next couple of weeks. And today, all I'm going to do is just give you two implications, just two ideas, suggestions to get started. Because I think you want victory. I don't think you want to be a slave. I don't want to be a slave anymore. Uh, and just two ideas to win this battle. One, I've got to deepen my understanding of Christ and who I am in him and what this is. I mean, I know you've known him, and maybe it's been for a year or 10 years or 20 years, and you think, 20 years, I'm still a defeated believer. Having Christ, I want this to sound right, just having him in you is not enough. He doesn't want to be just a resident he wants to be the president, okay? He wants to be your boss. Yes, when Jesus comes in, when the Holy Spirit says, I am the boss of you, you will agree with that. Yes, I'm the boss of you. He's our Lord. He, he becomes the leader in our life. Uh, and I have to get connected to that. And in order to do that, I've got to know him. So I can know him, I can trust him. In verse 24, it says, who's going to set me free from this life? Who is it's going to get me out of this, this being dominated by sin? And it's like all of a sudden he just goes, oh, I know, thank God, I, I get it. It's Jesus. You know, I, it's the Lord that's going to do this. It, the answer is in him. He says, I'm dominated by this. But Jesus has set me free. And he wants to continue to lead me uh, in that freedom. This, this little phrase, dominated by sin, is a real interesting expression because Paul was talking to his audience. And we don't get it unless we kind of understand what was going on in the culture in the Roman Empire in those days. If you committed a horrible sin, let's say of murder, and you, you killed someone, sometimes what they would do is they would put an iron cuff on, on you and then they would chain you with a short length of chain to the person you killed. I know this is a little gruesome. 
And they would leave you chained up to that person, that dead body. And it, you're there in the court and they, they pronounce the sentence and you're guilty of murder. And they, they do that and say, now you may go. So here's, I know this is awful in your imagination, but you drag that dead body out of the courtroom. And you, you wake up the next morning and think, what is that stench? Oh, it's this dead body I got connected to. That's exactly, I know that's awful, but that's what they did. And some of you are doing that spiritually. You're dragging around the memory of some childhood event or just consequence of your sin. You know, and you just, you just take around. And we're, we're designed and built to be victorious Christians. We live lives like zombies. You know, and we're just kind of stumbling through our, our, our Christian life. That's my zombie. You thought I was going to break, like, do Thriller or something, but I'm not. Um, but, you know, we just, and we live like that. And you think, well, that's odd. They don't seem to be able to, they can't do anything. But there's some kind of a life there. And Paul says, set me free. Set me free. I don't want to drag around a dead body, this old person all the time. And I love that he says, who and not what is going to set me free. Because here's, here's what I'm finding out. It's not going to be a program. It's not going to be a pill. It's not going to be a plan. It's not going to be, you know, uh, a principle that I figure out. Or, you know, I'm going to go to some conference or seminar. I think, oh, now I understand this. No, you know what? It's a person. It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. He's the one who sets us free. And it's not just to say it. It's to live it. To live in him. Get to know him. Now, the other thing is this. I have to detect and deactivate the lies that I'm believing. I've got to discover and diffuse any of these lies that I have allowed to lodge in my heart, my soul, and my mind. And I, I, I believe this, that the number one way Satan messes people up is he lies to them. He either gets you to tell a lie to yourself, or he tells you a lie and you believe it, and then you act on that lie. If I do this, then I'll be this. Or if this, then, then that'll relieve this. And, you know, and we, we start acting on that. And it's a lie. He's the father of lies. That's what he does. That's who he is. He's not going to tell you the truth about anything. The Bible says if we claim to be without sin, we deceive, we're lying to ourselves. Now, I'm not, that's not really a sin. Or, you know, I don't think I'm that. You know, the Bible says, who are you kidding? You're lying to yourself. I'm going to say something, then I want you to say it with me, okay? I'll say it a couple of times so you can get it down. It's just a simple, short sentence. Behind every sinful action I take is a lie I have believed. Let me say it again. Behind every sinful action I take is a lie I have believed. I tweeted that this morning, so some of you follow me. You can look at it and see it later. Because I think there's a key. I think there's a secret there. You're acting on a lie. I have to do this in order to get this need met or that or it's a lie. You say that with me? Behind every sinful action I take is a lie I have believed. I'm going to ask you a blunt, personal, in-your-face kind of question, okay? What self-destructive behavior in your life are you putting up with? What have you just decided... Eh, never mind. I'm not going to win. I'm just going to learn to live with it. Instead of eradicating this sin, instead of allowing him to crucify it, I'm just going to manage it. 
I'm just going to live with it, figure out how to keep it undercover or quiet or secret or rationalize why. Well, maybe it's not a sin if you read this verse, you know, and you start doing all those games of figuring out and convincing yourself and other people around you. Jesus said this, when you know the truth, the truth is going to set you free. When you know what's true, there's a process. There's something that begins to happen when I name the truth. When I detect and delete that lie, then I've disabled it. It doesn't have power in me anymore. And the only way that Satan can influence you is to lie to you or to get you to lie to yourself. Jesus said, I'm the truth. I'm the truth. And all truth is, we're just agreeing with what he's already said about it. Galatians 5.16 says, Live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit, and you won't do what your flesh craves. That's the truth. That's the truth. Now, your mind has this habit of telling us lies, saying, eh, I don't believe that. I don't think that's true. I'm going to lose out. If I, if I live according to my flesh, I'm going to win. If I live according to the Spirit, I'm not going that's not, that's not to work for me. That's a lie. That's a lie. In fact, you know, we looked at Romans 7. The phrase Holy Spirit is never mentioned one time in the entire chapter. Not once. Instead, 41 times we have I, me, my, myself, mine. Pause focus on that. Now, next week, Romans 8 takes this turn. Because Romans 7, it's all about me. It's not about the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, the word Spirit is mentioned 19 times. The secret to winning this battle in me, this battle that's in you, is just dying to my willpower, my determination, and my abilities, and living in Him, stepping into His ability. Out of my disability, into His ability. It begins with telling yourself the truth. And today may be a day, fellow believer, where you say, this is sin. And I've been trying to beat it for a year, two years, five years, ten years I've been living with this. And I've just learned how to manage it. Today, I'm not going to live that lie anymore. I'm not going to drag around this dead body anymore. I'm going to call it sin. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to name it. And I'm going to ask God if he would give me his power to begin showing me over the next couple of weeks, how can I be free? How can I live in victory and defeat that? When you do that almost immediately, you remember that confusion and that frustration, that anxiety and that esteem? There's something about when I just say, Lord, this is sin, and I don't want that anymore. I want to be in you, and I want victory over it. There's like a, there's something in me that happens. There's like a, I don't feel so frustrated. I thought that'd make me feel bad, but it actually feels pretty good. Lord, I'm liking it already. And it's just 10 seconds into this life of victory. He's going to begin to resolve those consequences. You're going to have peace and contentment and joy and that guilt and that shame just going to begin to disintegrate. Life's going to change. Let's pray about it. It's a good place to start, right? Let's pray about it. So why don't we stand? Um, and if you want to come down here and pray, absolutely you're invited. If you want to stay where you are, 
But let's start getting honest with ourselves and honest with the Lord. Father, we've been defeated so many times in our flesh. And even though we're believers and we know that we're in Christ now, often we just rely on who we've always been and not on the power of your Spirit. And that's caused us to be frustrated and confused and weary. We just keep pushing up and pushing up, trying to beat this on our own. And after a while, this law of sin just weighs us back down. Would you show us the victory that we have in Christ? Set us free with the truth. And we give you praise for it. And we thank you today because of Jesus.